Hello. Many homeowners know that they want a lot of glass in their homes to enhance that indoor-outdoor connection, to bring light and breezes into their home and help it feel spacious. But do you know that you could be making your home completely unsustainable in the process? That's what this episode will help you avoid. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. As technology, structural engineering and materials have improved over the decades, we're able to open up our homes to the outdoor environment more and more. In fact, one of the biggest differences that you'll see between older homes and more contemporary homes is literally the amount of glazing or glass windows and doors that are in them. What many homeowners aren't aware of is that they may be working very hard to think about creating comfortable and sustainable homes in the materials that they choose, how much insulation they put in their homes. But as soon as you cut a hole in the wall and place a large glass window or door, you have the potential to create just a great big opportunity for air to move between the inside and outside of your home through the glass. And how fast that air is able to move can determine whether your home is capable of staying cool or warm when you need it to. I get a lot of questions about windows and door selections when it comes to building and renovating. So these questions, they can include what type of frames should I use? You know, what type of glass should I use? Does the size of the window or door matter? And the most common one that I receive is, is double glazing really necessary? So I am super excited to be sharing this podcast episode with you as part of our season eight, A Simple Guide to a Sustainable Home. In this episode, I'm interviewing Tracy Gramlick. Now, Tracy is the Executive Director and CEO of the Australian Window Association, or AWA. Tracy has a background in engineering, a Master's of Business Administration in Technology Management, and she has over 30 years of expertise in various fenestration products and facade design, technical production, education materials and marketing roles prior to her current position as Executive Director and CEO of the AWA. And fenestration just means basically glass, glass windows and doors. Now, a significant portion of her role with the AWA or the Australian Window Association involves representing the industry through political advocacy for Australian manufacturing, energy efficiency target trajectories for building and construction, and product conformity and compliance. Tracy sits on three industry-aligned boards and one international board committee. She regularly speaks at international and local events and actively participates in several local and international standards and aligned committees, working groups and forums clever, clever, clever woman. Really excited to have her on the podcast. Now, what is the AWA or the Australian Window Association? Well, Tracy will tell us more about that in the interview, but please make sure that you head to the show notes uh, or the blog for this episode, because all the resources that we talk about and that we refer to, they'll be there and they're hugely useful to you as a homeowner if you're building or renovating your home. 
Now, for the USA listeners of the podcast, Tracy actually talks about the National Fenestration Rating Council, which is the USA equivalent for the Australian Window Association. And it's your equivalent resource uh, when it comes to glass, window and door selection. So listen into the interview with Tracy. She's got some fantastic tips and strategies and things to think about and look at. And then you can head to the show notes or the blog and I've got the links there for some relevant resources for you as well. Tracy shares some incredible insider knowledge, mistakes to avoid, and really clever, useful tips uh, when it comes to choosing glass windows and doors for your home, in knowing how to achieve energy efficiency, in how to find a reputable window manufacturer, and to really compare your choices so that you know that you're making the right selection for your needs. And she's got some specific tips when it comes to selecting glass types and frame types, and she also shares her expert opinion on whether double glazing is really worth it. As I said, I'm so excited to be bringing this interview to you, so let's dive in. So Tracy, thank you so much for joining us on the Get It Right podcast. It's such an honor to have you here because of your wealth of expertise, knowledge and experience in this field, I know it's going to be incredibly useful for the UA community. Can you tell us a little bit about the Australian Window Association or the AWA? You know, how did it start? What role does it play? And 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 how can homeowners, I suppose, know more about the AWA uh, in helping them with their windows for their for their new homes and their renovations? Okay, the AWA has uh, actually celebrated its 30th year this year. So we had a big birthday party at conference. It was set up 30 years ago in response to a changing government where they were putting um, six-year warranties and then seven-year warranties onto building products into housing. And the industry collectively understood that unless they worked with builders and unless they understood that their products would last longer, that there may be an issue. So a group of only eight companies uh, got together and talked about what might it like look like and what could the main suppliers into the industry do about that and how would they protect themselves into the future. And out of that 30 years later, we have close to 700 companies in the fold, representing about 20-odd thousand people. We've developed the Window Energy Rating Scheme in conjunction with that. We're a NATA inspection agency and we have a very robust accreditation program that members must join and uh, we mentor them and visit their factories and make sure that they're uh, producing product that complies with the National Construction Code. We're um, a training organisation, so we have uh, something called AFTIC, the Australian Fenestration Training Institute, and we have copious amounts of online training, face-to-face training and and uh, boutique and seconded training from everywhere from government departments to, to unique and boutique industries. So our charter is really to make sure that uh, in a one-liner, uh, we, we just want to make sure that every single window and every building in this country is fit for its purpose. And along the way, we actually also got the window standard, the Australian window standard, uh, written into the National Construction Code to give a measure of protection to consumers who have no idea really what a good window constitutes and to also protect companies so that there was a platform or or a base that uh, people could start from to say, well, if there's a problem with your windows, let's have a look because it's been tested in an accredited laboratory and let's go from there. So we've continued to grow. We also look after the National Security Screen Association under our secretariats, the Window Film Association of Australia and New Zealand. Uh, We do all the surface finishing audits. And the exciting news is that uh, in about six or eight weeks' time, we will be joining with the Australian Glass and Glazing Association to make one sort of mega association, if you want to call it that. 
That's extraordinary. I would I would hazard a guess that most homeowners don't know that that the that the the glazing and and windows production in Australia is overseen with such a high level of quality control and I think that that's a fantastically reassuring for many homeowners to know that there's a place that they can go to to assess whether the the manufacturer that they're looking at as a member whether they've been through this stringent uh, quality control process and, and are being accredited for the work that they're doing so I think it's a it's brilliant to introduce this to the UA community because I know that they'll be very grateful to uh, be able to use the AWA as a resource and you do have a fantastic online um, website and we're going to talk a bit yes. more about some of the things in there, but there's some incredible resources in there that um, are not just for industry, that are for homeowners as well, to really yes. understand about window specification and window selection, um, to really empower them to know that they're working with trusted and reputable uh, manufacturers and producers. So I think it's really great. How did you actually get involved with the AWA? Well, oh, it's a I guess, interesting story. I'm, I come really from a manufacturing background as, as, as an engineer in, in metals and in manufacturing. And over many years looked after really shipbuilding, truck building, aircraft and those sorts of things. And then uh, made my way into firstly monolithic skyscrapers. So I, one of my jobs was um, Melbourne Central down in Melbourne and, uh, and um, a couple of the skyscrapers in Perth, the first ones there, QV1 and Exchange Plaza. And, uh, and with that knowledge and coming into there, I guess originally I was designing uh, window suites but more as how do they work, how do they go together for customers as opposed to, to anything else. And, um, and then eventually I, I moved in, out of the um, aluminium industry and moved into Pilkington curtain walls and windows as it was back then and did um, the skyscrapers and then went into Alcan who do, well, that doesn't exist anymore. It's now Capron Aluminium. Yes, yes I and remember Alcan. Yes. <laughs> took over after different states and different divisions took over architectural systems for them. And then again, many years after that, uh, after much travelling and really never being home, uh, the Window Association had a, a, a really strong leader at that point in time who said we need succession planning and we need to make sure that things grow into the future and that the industry is looked after, protected and supported. So they convinced me um, many years ago now, 15 years ago, to uh, to give up corporate life and uh, move across and, uh, and it's grown from there. When I took it over, we had just under 300 members and we're close to 700 now and, uh, and going from strength to strength. What an achievement, Tracy. That's fantastic. So, and, uh, you know, somebody with your level of on-the-ground experience um, would be an incredible asset inside an organisation like that in terms of that level of understanding of what the manufacturers and producers are actually dealing with on a day-to-day basis and that interface, I think, between the consumer and the producer as well. So I think it's um, – it's I always love being able to speak to women in this industry because it is a, it does certainly take a different type of path to navigate to positions of leadership. <laughs> it, 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 it makes sure that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Most definitely. So – can you share a bit about what you recommend homeowners consider when they're looking at their window specification so in terms of their glass selection, their frame types, you know, thinking about energy efficiency in their homes? Where do you recommend that they start and what they need to consider and review when they're thinking about their glass windows and doors? All right. So the first thing I always say is, is you do yourself a favour to get the best window you can afford. I think in Australia we, we – well, 
I know we have a culture that um, it's very important to, to own our own homes and uh, it's about um, property and acquisition and getting on that property ladder. And often that comes at the expense of, of actually quality uh, building and quality building products that go into them. And it's a very interesting thing for me that still in this day and age it takes 15, 20 minutes to convince a homeowner, in particular a woman, to um, to put in granite bench tops or wonderful appliances or gold taps in the bathroom because you can see them. But it's often more difficult and it's getting easier now, but traditionally it's always been more difficult to point to windows in a wall and say, you know what, these could be a heck of a lot better and your life would be different. I think it's that show and tell type of thing. So because we want to get into our own homes so quickly and, and at, at the most cost-effective um, cost base, then what we tend to do is that we choose the cheapest alternatives that we can find. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that except for the fact that with growing energy bills and, and especially electricity costs and these sorts of things, then often that doesn't really do well. And we have a saying in our industry, and we, we actually call the windows in buildings, in all buildings, the thermal wound of the building envelope, because it's a very misunderstood subject. And we tend to put as much insulation as we can in, in the roofs. And when we're finished that, we put as much as we can into the walls. And we do all this wonderful stuff. And then we look at the windows and say, our oh, last thing in the house, oh, a little bit expensive. We put a bit of clear glass in them. And then 85% of the heat from outside comes in through those windows and 45% uh, leaves. So, in fact, the more you insulate everything else and leave the windows, the more impact it actually has on, on energy coming and leaving. So I say, look, not everybody can afford the, the top of the range. So go for the best that you can afford. I don't think there is anything – go for what you want. There's great choices in aluminium, especially in new thermal, thermally broken products. There's great choices in timber and PVC because they're so inert. And then look at the frame that you actually want. Look at the sizes that you want. Look at where you live. You know, are you in Melbourne? Are you in Brisbane or are you in Darwin? Because in Darwin you get really hot. In Brisbane it's pretty benign but in Melbourne you get really, really cold. So think about whether you want to keep heat in and whether you want to keep heat out and how you want to do that and then go for your options. The cheapest option is to is to put um, single glazing in, but you would try and look for a low energy efficiency film, so what we call a low E film, low emissivity. So it's got a microscopic metallic film on it and depending on where you place that, you can – either keep the heat in or keep the heat out. Now, when we say that, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's it, it's going to get hot or it's going to get cold. No, it's about the time that it takes for the heat or cold to migrate through. If you can afford to go up from that, uh, double glazing is always the best option. It doesn't matter where you live in this country, um, I have to say. And, again, go for the best glass that you can actually afford in that the most optimal gap I recommend to people is 12 millimetres. You What's don't that? have to go. Uh, the Once you get beyond 12 millimetres, so anywhere between 12 and 19 millimetres is considered very good. You know when you're standing in your house and, and you're up against a wall and let's say you're in your lounge in, or your family room and you've got a, a couch up near the, the, the doors or something and it gets cold. And then you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden you're looking for where the breeze is coming from and there's not, there's 
there's no doors open, there's nothing happening, but you have this wonderful conduction and convection loop that actually starts up because, you know, the, the hot air and, and the cold air meet and then it goes around in cycles and, and before you know it, you're sort of sitting there and it's quite cool because you've got cool air usually uh, rotating around you. Now, the same thing applies, believe it or not, inside a double glazed unit. So inside a double glazed unit, once you get a really wide gap, then that same conduction and convection loop starts up. Now, it's not detrimental in a double glazed unit, but when you go beyond 19 millimetres, it really has hardly any effect at all. But the cost is a lot more. When you go to 12, it's almost ideal. So um, the little tricks of the, the trade to think about. And these days, a lot of companies are offering um, gas. So you can have argon gas is the most popular. And it doesn't cost any more. Now, why is argon gas good? Because argon's denser than air. So it will make that transfer mechanism, and I often do this little pattern here, you know, of going inside to out or outside in. It will just make it that little bit slower. And with energy efficiency, I think what people misunderstand is, is making sure that your building envelope is, is integral and making sure you've got really good glazing allows you to reduce the amount of hours you use your heating and cooling. So I'm not talking about going to full passive housing here where you never have to have heating and cooling, but the, the less time and the lower the temperatures that you have to have on your thermostats with, with air conditioning, then much more money you get back into your pockets and that's something else that's not misunderstood that well sorry that is misunderstood in the fact that energy through windows any windows don't use energy they're a passive item and so a lot of people just dismiss them but windows along with insulation which windows are insulation actually has a massive impact on the use of energy so by putting really good passive systems throughout your house, then it makes sure that that heating and cooling and the comfort levels inside your home stay that way for much, much longer. So get the best window you can afford, get the framing system that you want, and then get the very best glazing that you can afford. And then look at orientation and don't be afraid to play or to play with things. You know, if you're facing, facing north or northeast, you might only need clear glazing. But if you're in other orientations, you may want to get um, some tinting and that sort of thing. And the fact that these rooms are, are away from each other, don't be frightened to use the tints or use the low E's and mix and match the type of glasses. The frames will still look the same. That's very true, actually, because the glass type will change its look based on how the light that's hitting it. And so you won't necessarily, and the, and the way that the view occurs through the glass will change based on the conditions of light coming into that room and the way that room's located in the home. So you don't necessarily notice the difference between those things, although you feel that you need that uniformity on the outside of your house, you probably will never actually perceive it. You know, it's only yes. if the two windows were sitting side by side that you'd see it. So that's actually a really great tip for homeowners to balance their budget overall, to think about, you know, we talk at an undercover architect a lot about designing for orientation. And I think mm. thinking about those window types as you do move around those different orientations on your site, a lot of homeowners get in touch with me about really challenging orientations. And when you're wanting to make the most of that indoor-outdoor connection, you know, particularly in Australia, we've got this fantastic climate that we can enjoy. Yeah. So exactly. we do cut a lot of holes in our buildings, in our homes. Exactly. Um, but we end up creating these great big permeable barriers that just air moves in and out of without understanding how we can then use those those glazed areas to still manage the thermal comfort um, in the insides of our homes. So, 
You've crammed in some great tips there. So, and I love because I do one of my later questions, which um, I'd love to go into in a bit more detail now, is just is double glazing worth it? You know, because we we talk a lot. I get a lot of questions from my community. Is it really worth it? I don't live in Melbourne. I don't live in a colder area. You know, but overseas listeners of the podcast in particular yeah. say to me, we've used this as a standard, and there's even locations where they're using triple glazing as a standard. Yeah. You know, so. For Australians who kind of, we, we are a bit behind in this uptake, I think, on double glazing because it's seen as a much more costly investment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, I think if you can think about that payback period and the lower cost then you have in here heating and cooling, what do you say to people about, you obviously say use double glazing, but in, if they're, they're really sort of thinking, oh, it doesn't apply to me, not where I am, what are, you, what are your thoughts and, and recommendations to people in terms of factoring in and really considering it? All right. I say double glazing is relevant to everybody in every building, in every state and territory, in every orientation. Is it worth it? Yes. <laughs> the, I, I guess it's a matter of how elaborate that you want to go. Double glazing is always better than single glazing, no matter which way you cut it. You get more bang for your buck, the colder it gets and the hotter it gets. But it, it's never not better than than single glazing. So I I think that's almost a a misnomer. And it's true that 15 years ago when double glazing was coming into the fore, it was twice the price of of single glazing. Now that the majority of of windows going out in Victoria and Tasmania are are double glazed and there's a number of national suppliers, we've just done a study um, for some work with the Department of um, Energy and Environment, uh, the Federal Department, which actually surprised us to show that the double glazing around the country can be done at about 1.1 times the cost of single glazing now that window companies wow. have their designs in place. Now, of course, it, yeah, saying that, that I'm, I'm talking about basic everyday double glazing. I'm not talking about the vast expanses of um, wonderful architectural pieces, but uh, it, it's always better. The other thing that we often concentrate on in this country is return on investment. If I'm going to buy double glazing, uh, then I'm not going to get my money back. Uh, We actually have a calculator called efficientglazing.net online where people can plug in one window and then another uh, with their energy prices and have a look at how much money you can put in your pocket from saving on your electricity bill. We have a number of calculators. The most sophisticated one allows um, people to, or our members only, to to actually put in different types of windows, the actual floor plans, electricity and gas mixes, and um, and projections into what electricity costs might be in five years' time. And it also gives you how many black balloons, how many, what's your carbon savings, what's your carbon abatement in doing this. Um, you can switch on return on investment, but I often say to people, it's about being comfortable in your own home. The pricing's not that much more. So your comfort levels will actually soar no matter where you are, even if you're in Sydney sitting here on a day like this, because, you know, our, our weather's not so passive anymore. And you get your return on your investment essentially when when you sell because energy is becoming a priority um, and star rating systems are in and people are learning more, people are more educated and they're going to be looking for those types of, of options as they buy houses into the future. So you're setting yourself up really for, for resale into the future. And again, if you've got a passive product that, that's in there, 
people quite often forget that uh, let's say you go from a four or five millimeter clear glass in an aluminium frame and you go to a thermally broken frame with um, double glazing and argon gas and 12, 12 mil gap and that sort of thing then you're actually probably getting four or five hundred dollars in your pocket sometimes you can get up to three thousand with those wonderful houses you're talking about oh. with all that glass but people forget about that because what it's done is effectively reduced your electricity bills or, or your gas bills you know and so and you don't really see it but I challenge somebody to tell me what other inert product or passive product that goes into a house puts money back in your pocket. Yeah, and I think I think we do. We when we look at our bucket of money for our building or our renovation budget, we forget that this can actually be an investment in the savings we'll make yeah. in the future, and really that it's not it's not like one one spend here is going to cancel out the spend. It's it, it's a cumulative effect. Because you're going to be paying energy bills every quarter for the, you know, for the period of life that you have in that home, and they are only moving up. So mm. I think that to really consider that, and I love, you know, I, I love the resources that AWA has online that homeowners can look at. So you mentioned the efficiency, the, the efficientglazing.net. So I really encourage, and I'll pop a link in the show notes um, for the UA community to go and check that out because I've had a play with that. There's a few different ways that you can access the information, different calculators that you can use. And as Tracy said, it's, you can do that direct comparison between different window types and they're all sort of standardized selections of, you know, glass type, frame type um, to compare one to the other to really get a, a very mm. black and white understanding of the, the relevance of your choice for you and your situation. The other um, fantastic asset that AWA has is the window energy rating scheme as well. Yes. So yes. can you talk a bit about that? How did that come into being and, you know, how do you see homeowners using it and what I suppose as a tool for homeowners, you know, what can they know about what hoops have had to be jumped through in order for a window manufacturer to be listed on there? And those because okay. for me that seems like a fantastic way to immediately audit your selections and make sure that you're getting quality and the right choice for your home. So. Yep. Okay, well, well, the Window Energy Rating Scheme, believe it or not, has been around for 25 years now and the actual energy rating of products has been um, done for 20 years. We're the first building products group to actually energy rate and believe it or not, there's roughly around about 440,000 products wow. energy rated for, the, for their service. In order, many years ago uh, under an earlier government, uh, Liberal government, the AGO, the Australian Greenhouse Office, set Australia the challenge of saying, well, industry, you're doing a really good job of energy rating. We'd now like you to look at international comparisons and set up a charter that will take energy efficiency into the future. And out of that, the Australian Fenestration Rating Council was born. It's slated in the National Construction Code and it's the keeper of the rules and the protocols of, of how windows get energy rated in line with the international organisation, the NFRC or National Fenestration Rating Council. Every window that gets energy rated through those protocols must already meet the structural water and air provisions of the National Construction Code. So the configuration, so the you know the layout of, of, of the window system that's energy rated is taken from the test report results configuration of that testing to ensure that that actually happens. Windows are then fully simulated uh, by somebody that's gone through days of training, hours of exams at extremely high cost, and they're called accredited or certified AFRC simulators. But not only do we simulate the product, we then have to audit the product. 
Now, the AWA for its members audits its members' products for free, and that's part of the service that they have of being a member. So the products are only done by accredited uh, entities. They are audited by fully qualified NFRC and AFRC trained raters before they're uploaded onto site. And then we have the ability to put them into the um, Accurate Underpin programs. A few problems with that along the way, but we're actually working extremely well with the department at the moment uh, to get, get it so that they can actually take our results. We're quite unique in the fact that those results that you see on WERS are done in real time and are accurate every single time an upload happens. So um, sometimes that causes problems, you know, if you have software that's lagging and that sort of thing, but um, it's a very robust, well-recognised and um, internationally endorsed system. And I often say to people, if you you want a hint on how to use the WORS website, if you really don't know what windows to look for, then if you're in somewhere like Sydney or Brisbane, Try and match your, your heating and cooling stars because we do use a bit of heat and we do use a bit of cool. And, and, and so if you've got that sort of nice temperate climate, then, then matching them is quite good because you can get the best bang for your buck as far as um, all, all year round um, climate achievement. If you're in Melbourne, you look for the red stars. If you're in Darwin, you look for the, for the blue stars so that you know, you know how much effect that you're actually going to have. And that's looking for the stars on those rating systems. That's where you're talking. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. So the, the WORS system has full energy rating values in CSV files that people can actually import. And uh, that's actually an exciting initiative that's just been launched that um, we've just launched the new WORS website and it doesn't look terribly different, but it's faster, it's slicker, there's almost removed all errors and the files now for architects, energy raters and building designers to use are actually in CSV format, which, which maps straight across for people trying to build their homes. And we, the, the uniqueness of WORS is we actually own the, um, the star rating systems and the equations and maths that actually go into that. And what that allows for is, is for somebody to compare every window that there is against the other at the same size. So it's a comparative rating tool. And the porous window, so the the zeroest window, so to speak, is a lightweight aluminium frame with three millimetre clear glass with the worst performing air and leakage provisions in the system. So what that tells you is how the stars tell you how much better that window will perform against the bog standard um, aluminium clear glass window. Yeah, it's actually a really amazing, like when I dived in, you know, I dive into it quite a lot and have a look at these different window types. And I think, you know, on a couple of episodes ago, we spoke to an energy efficiency consultant, um, Tori Walker, and she explained about star ratings and star rating assessment systems and, um, you know, the requirements to meet certain star ratings. And I think the fact that these systems can interface with each other from a technological standpoint is brilliant because you're getting really accurate readings then on the specific mm-hmm. selections that you're using to then inform the type of star rating you're getting overall and you're not really wasting any money or estimating on the things that you're choosing and nobody's fudging anything. This yes. is actually real-time information about the thermal performance yeah. and your energy savings of your home. So 
when you're as a homeowner considering what windows you're going to select, you can dive into the WERS or the Window Energy Rating um, Scheme part of the AWA website and I'll pop all the links in the show notes. And literally there's a massive menu you can go through and look, see and compare. You can then use the efficiency glazing, um, the efficient glazing net net site as well to do direct comparisons on a really very transparent and simple basis i just and then there's pdfs like it's just this extraordinary asset and resource um that i think um has um you know as i said a lot of homeowners aren't aware of but the industry is and um the industry is obviously very invested in ensuring that they're meeting quality standards and energy standards and that they keep improving, um, which I think is fantastic and it's going to be really great for homeowners to understand more about this. So I had... Um, I think if you, yeah. if you... You may be interested to know then that, that in January next year there's a new program being launched towards members where you can actually rate at size and get real results out and then they'll snap back to tell you which which words figures need to go in to give the assurance to energy raters and to, to designers and architects that uh, this is what you will achieve by putting these windows in. So because uh, we're, we're the only country really that, that uses the comparative ratings because of our mandatory um, software systems. So this will actually be able to do a show and tell free of charge. That's uh, so that people have a have a really good idea. So uh, so we're always trying to innovate. We're always trying to come up with ideas that uh, are going to sort of help our members get the message across. So uh, yes, that's the project's heading towards finalisation and beta testing now. That, and I mean, I think even for a homeowner to say to a builder, you know, is your window manufacturer an AWA member? Because I want this kind of information about my windows. That's a great way to not only protect yourself as an informed um, purchaser um, but to be able to get that transparency of information and know that you're getting the accurate information plugged into your energy reports, not just an estimation because, you know, we were talking in that episode about how those those star ratings can then bring about additional costs as you have to add things in like upgrade your insulation and those types of things to get to achieve the required star rating and that may be because somebody's not actually using they're using estimations yeah. rather than accurate yes. information yeah. in your assessment. Yeah. Yeah. If you use custom windows, the rest of the world uses custom windows. Um, you know that we they don't have the default systems, and uh, which is something that we're not overly fond of. But uh, you're right. If you use real windows, you'd be amazed at the um, you get a much more cost effective and a much more accurate outcome. Fantastic. Now, I wanted um, lastly to ask you about different frame types because obviously aluminium, wind, um, aluminium window frames and timber window frames, they're pretty well known across residential construction and I think people often will make the choice based on a cosmetic um, or yes. an aesthetic sort of choice, but whether they're working with an older style home that already has timber windows or they want something that they think is low maintenance in aluminium powder-coated windows. But we've also got UPVC and we've got fiberglass and these are materials that are used much more commonly overseas but I know that there's a bit of resistance in Australia because they say well they're basically plastic we live in a hot climate that breaks down plastic you know all of these types of things are the feedback that I get from my community can you talk through frame type selection what people need to consider and what they might not need to be scared of in terms of you know frame selection well if you take UPVC to start with um it's not the same as the old plastic windows that um that came into Australia there's a few horror stories from a, a product, I guess I can say the product name because it doesn't exist anymore and it hasn't for years, but there was an old Plasteel product that came in, gosh, it must be 30-odd years ago, before I was back in the industry, and um, and it literally imploded that the 
the inserts to stiffen the product actually imploded and the products went really brown very quickly. Now, Australia seems to have an anathema to, to what they consider to be plastic anyway, so that did no favours whatsoever. But the UPVC products we see these days bear no relationship whatsoever to these products. They used to be petroleum-based. They're now salt-based. They're, they're really good, robust products. If you need them stronger because you're in a bushfire area or a higher wind loads, good accredited manufacturers put um, aluminium and steel inserts in them to stiffen them up. The colour fasting is excellent. There's... One question people can ask when when they when they're going to see UPVC, are you an accredited uh, company with UPVC? And prove to me that you use the tropical mix. What's the tropical mix? There's two different mixes because we don't have weather like Northern Europe, and the titanium dioxide and different stabilizers that they use in in PVC is at a very low level for those types of products um, servicing those markets. The industry quite a few years ago now developed what they called a tropical mix that has much better stabilisers in it. And as long as we're using that and it is slated in our standard, then the product's not going to break down. And we've got a hotel not far from our offices that's had PVC windows in for over 30 years. And you drive past them now and they just look like white windows. You would not know what they were. So don't be afraid of PVC. It's a good inert product. The reason why we don't use it a lot in commercial and in larger residential is because um, the strength of it. It's quite a soft material. Now, if you go to aluminium, of course, Australians love aluminium because, well, it's just always been there. It's the wonder material, wasn't it, of the 60s when, you know, post-war when um, when all the industries that were building for the war, if it said, now what are we going to do with all this aluminium that we've got? And they did a very good job right around the world of, of um, extruding these complex shapes and uh, voila, there are window systems. Aluminium, one of its bonuses in other industries is that it, its capability to transfer heat. So, yes, it's not the best energy-efficient product. But these days, most, if not all, aluminium suppliers have thermal brakes in them. Now, thermal brakes won't quite bring it down to the level of timber and PVC, but they bring it pretty close. So thermally broken product is extremely popular and allows you not just to use aluminium, but you can have different colours on the outside and the inside with the way that the brakes are done these days. And, of course, timber has been around forever and, uh, and it's a beautifully inert material. So I often say to people, you know, go with what you want. You know, if, if you love the feel of timber, if you want that clean line look of metal or – and PVC is, is really – some of those European systems with that hardware where they just sort of slide on air, is just, they're phenomenal sorts of products. So don't be afraid. E experiment. What aesthetics do you want and how comfortable do you feel and, and go with it because every one of those products these days, from a sustainability point of view, uh, come out pretty even at the end of the day. And, uh, and they all perform quite well with energy efficiency. But if you're going to go for your aluminium and you really want energy efficiency, then look for those thermal breaks. I see fibreglass getting used a lot in the States. Are you seeing it much in Australia? Yes. Look, we have a fibreglass manufacturer, very, very, very small market. I, I think it's quite frustrating for them. But fibreglass is actually an incredible material because 
it gives you the benefits of PVC, you know, where it's easy to clean and it doesn't break down and it doesn't corrode and all the rest of it, uh, but it actually gives you the strength that's as high, if not higher, than aluminium. So it's actually a really good product. But like anything, it's niche market at the moment, very niche. And uh, But the product's absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I went to a building expo in the States as part of the um, American Institute of Architects conference in late June. and. All the windows were fiberglass. It was actually really unusual to find a window that wasn't fiberglass, which was such a shock to me because I hadn't sort of seen them, you know. And these, they were these great big sliding panels, and they were very lightweight. And I was yep. I was walking around with a colleague who's an American architect, and he was saying, "Yeah, this is what we use all the time," you know. So it was quite yeah. it was quite interesting to see. Are you seeing a lot of aluminium uh, window frame manufacturers using recycled aluminium in the production of their frames, or are they? We uh, always have. Yeah, we always have. So. Uh, Aluminium is completely recyclable. In fact, that um, if you get virgin aluminium, then to recycle it takes 5% of the energy that, that it took to actually create the virgin material. So every time you recycle, it's 5% of 5% after that. Um, the alloys that we use for aluminium are, are what we call the 6000 series, which uh, in which we put silicon and magnesium, and that makes it easy to extrude and gives us a good finish so that we can actually uh, apply other finishes to it. But... Um, now, when I talk about the 6000 series, because it's actually got additions into it, then it's perfectly suited to, to be recycled. So it is more common to use recycled material than it is to use virgin material. Virgin material is really popular uh, for the car industry, you know, for alloy wheels where you want the really high polished, you know, beautiful looking stuff. So um, a lot of recycled material, yes. Okay. And PVC is the same. Okay. I have, I have to say that. The, the restriction with PVC at the moment is because the production is smaller here, you don't have a lot of recyclability. But should the market really pick up and take on with um, PVC windows the way that we think it will eventually, uh, it's totally recyclable as well. Fantastic. Tracy. I cannot thank you enough. You have just crammed so much expertise and knowledge <laughs> into a very short space of time. I know the UA community will find this incredibly beneficial. I'm going to pop all the links to the AWA resources. There's some, as I said, there's some fantastic PDFs. Um, there's one about choosing windows for energy efficiency. There's, um, there's of course, the WERS uh, part of the website, theefficientglazing.net, loads that you can look at and research to feel really informed about your window and door selection. And, you know, we're creating homes that have these beautiful indoor-outdoor connections that are so important for our lifestyle. So it's really wise to make careful selections in the types of glazing that you put into those yeah. and the types of frames that you choose. So, Tracy, thank you so much for your time. It's just been such a pleasure, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Not a worry. Thanks. Cheers. Holy cow, wasn't that fantastic? I really hope that you found this interview helpful. There were some really specific tips and advice crammed in there to help you when selecting glass windows and doors for your home. Now, making these selections, they can be overwhelming for homeowners, but don't ignore it as an opportunity to make energy efficient choices. When you take your time to research your selections carefully, when you get informed using a lot of the resources that we've talked about, and you know that again, they'll be in the show notes or the blog, when you can work with reputable suppliers, the glass windows and doors in your home, they'll not only help you let light in and create that lovely feeling of spaciousness and that indoor-outdoor connection, but they'll also enhance the performance and comfort of your home and how much energy and money it saves you over the long term. 
Look, I have got some, I'm just loving this season. I've got some really fantastic interviews coming up on the podcast. So keep tuning in each week. And did you know the podcast is actually now on Spotify as well? I wasn't sure if I'd mentioned that before. So you can check out Get It Right with Undercover Architect and you'll see all the episodes listed on Spotify there. Now, meanwhile, please remember to share this season with your friends and family who might be planning a renovation or new build and share this podcast generally. I am so passionate about providing access to great quality information and professional expertise I really want to teach you how to get it right in your future family home so if you haven't please head to iTunes subscribe to the podcast so you always know when a new episode is fresh and ready to hit your ears and also please rate the podcast and leave a review wherever you're located this makes a massive difference to who iTunes shows the podcast to and whether they can uh, determine if it's relevant for them or not okay now I have a lot of uh, resources that I've mentioned in this episode. So I'm going to pop those in the show notes for you as well. So you can head there uh, if you want to do any further investigation yourself or grab some information from those resources. As always, my sincere gratitude and thanks to you. And thank you so much for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time. Bye. Bye.